Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I can tell, like, uh, I see teachers in the room. They're Faces look like they already hear the drumbeat. It's coming. Kids, downstairs, most of them probably, who are just oblivious. Until that morning comes when they're dragged out of bed and said, get to school. Um, It's that time of year. Things are changing. But you know what else it means? It's that time of year when we start to talk a lot about life groups and about opportunities to grow together. So I'm excited to introduce some of those opportunities to you. First, first I, I, wanna, I wanna have a little fun. Are y'all all right with that? Can we have a little fun? Uh, play a little game called the big if, all right? The big if. So just imagine a scenario with me. Um, assume, you know, maybe if you had a really busy day and you were just one thing after another after another, and, and maybe if... You were so busy, you didn't even get to eat lunch. You know, you skipped lunch and you're just plowing through things. And if uh, you started to feel faint, really, really kind of weak in the knees, and you're like, I just got to go home at six or seven. It's been a really long day. But you're like, I'm, if you're headed home and, and you're just thinking through your head, boy, I really hope there's something to eat. I, I didn't do the Walmart pickup this week. Like, I just don't know. And, and then you walk in the door and you smell the smell of fresh baked bread. Imagine if you smell that, you, you turn the corner, you're headed for the kitchen, and then you see your youngest child holding the last piece of bread. <laughs> and when they look at you, imagine if they accidentally drop it and it falls to the ground and lands on the kitchen floor. If you're living that day, then what do you do? grab it, throw it down. Some people like five second rule. I think you can make the, a strong case. That this is a situation when you can extend the five second rule by a good bit, all right? Okay, another, another scenario, maybe not quite as comical, but, but maybe serious. Assume you're getting ready for dinner. And if, if you look in the refrigerator and there are no eggs, but you really need eggs, if you think, well, I'm just going to head to the store, it's not far, and you get in your car, you're on your way, you circle for a little while trying to find a parking spot, and if you finally find one, it's pretty close to the door, you, you pull in, you get out, you're headed in, you're walking briskly, that brisk walk, um, technically not running, but, but walking briskly, and, and if, as you approach the door, an elderly woman comes out, she's got her hands really full, and then it happens, one of the bags breaks and a can of corn hits the ground and it starts rolling into the street. If you're witnessing all of this, if you're in that moment, then what do you do? Forget you, I gotta get eggs. No, I think any, any decent person in that moment thinks, I gotta, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna help. and uh, The eggs will be there after I help. If, then, we live in these moments and this tension all the time. Now, we don't think of it as a game. It's just living, right? But 
as we return today to Paul's letter to the Philippians, we find Paul inviting us into another scenario that I think every one of us needs to wrestle with today and in our life. It's the beginning of Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. As we continue to wonder at what it really means to live a kingdom life, Paul makes a compelling case. I just wanna read these first two verses to you. Before we do that, though, I wanna ask God's help to hear and see what he wants us to hear and see this morning. Father, we come to you and just pray as we open your word that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears so that we might receive the wisdom you have to share today. Father, I pray you would compel us to be men and women of action. And Lord, we ask this blessing by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go, Philippians chapter two. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Did you hear it? If, 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 if. Then, Paul's doing something. Jesus did as well. You may remember Jesus did this a few times. There was one time he was standing with a group of people and he was walking along the road and in Luke chapter nine, a man came to him and he said, I, I wanna follow you, Jesus. And he says, if anyone will follow after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. That if, then... And then another time he was with the Pharisees and it was on the Sabbath and he wanted to heal someone and uh, the Pharisees were giving him that look, like you better not heal someone, Jesus. You better not. And he said, if one of you had a sheep that fell in a pit, then what would you do? And they're sitting in the tension of this moment. You know, Jesus did this, Paul does it for a reason. And I think we've got to ask the question, you know, yeah, this isn't normal if, 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 then. Like, Paul's doing this on purpose. And what's he really doing? What's he really challenging the Philippians? By extension, what's he challenging us to recognize? I think we gotta really step into this passage to get it, though. Okay, so I'm gonna ask for your help. Um, can everybody in the room stand up? Most of you can? Okay, good. We're just gonna test this real quick. Stand up. All right, now sit down. That's good. All right, so... We're gonna play, uh, again, we're gonna step back into this text and I want you to stand up anytime the if applies to you. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, stand up for me. All right. Okay, good, have a seat. <laughs> if any comfort from his love, stand up. That's right, so this is leg day for anyone? I'm sorry, have a seat. All right, if any common sharing in the spirit, stand. Some of you are like, I'm not playing this game anymore. <laughs> Sit down, one more is coming. If any tenderness and compassion, stand. Okay, have a seat. If, 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 then have a seat. No, that's not what comes next, right? Well, Paul is quite intentionally inviting the Philippians to a moment of clarity 
If you receive this blessing, if you know this blessing, if you live in this blessing, if you know this, then, then have a seat. No. Then he says, make my joy complete. Because I can tell you as a pastor, sometimes it's very joyful just to see the light bulb go off in people's heads. And Paul got to witness that with the Philippians. He shared the good news. He saw the light bulbs go off. And that's a special kind of joy. But it's not all the joy Paul is looking for. And I assure you, it's not all the joy Pastor Pete's looking for. But I'm looking for. We want more than the light bulb moment. We want the lived experience. If, 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 then... Paul goes on to say, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, all that language is, I think, to be fair, kind of vague, right? Like it's, Jesus, Paul wants us to be in some way different and to be that kind of together. There's really inclusive language here. To really fully understand it, I think we have to keep reading. And so we want to read the verses three through 11 here. And before we do, I just want to make sure you know, this was like, you know, you probably have a favorite hymn um, or favorite song. When we sing it, you're just like, yes, this was my song. And you get in the car afterwards, you're like, oh, we got to sing it today. And it's like, it just stirs your heart. You really love the message and the power of of a given song. Well, this, what we're about to read was according to, to many scholars, one of those songs for the early church, the first century church. They, they grabbed hold of this, what they call the Christ hymn, and they would have used it again and again and again to remind themselves of the awesomeness of Jesus and the call to action. So I want you to listen with that in mind. In verse three, Paul continues, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen, right? You can understand what Paul's doing here. He starts with the ifs so he can get to the then. And then he gives them this beautiful portrait, this compelling portrait of Jesus. And before he shares this lofty, like poetic language, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The then Paul is after as he gives the if, 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 is life together. Not just any life, but the good life, the life that is truly life. And it looks like Jesus. 
You know, on the way in, you, you sat down on a, on a triangle that might have, I hope it didn't hurt, you know, or maybe you, you saw it soon enough before you sat down, down on it. I, I want you to grab hold of this for a second. It's going to help us make our way through the rest of the message. By the way, while you're finding it, um, I'll tell a dad joke here. What's the hardest working geometrical shape in show business? The tri angle. Ah, you guys get it, always trying. The triangle. Get it? Some of you are like, oh, oh, that's what it is. Yes. Oh, well, there you go. Now you can use that. I don't have the rights to it. I stole it from somebody. You can take it with you wherever you go. So now you've got your triangle. I'm going to ask you to write down three words today. And uh, to do so in each of the, the corners here of your triangle. But I want to talk for a second about why, as humans, we often revel in the ifs but resist the then. Why we revel in the if but resist the then. Because it feels really good to have encouragement to feel tenderness and compassion, to have comfort, right? That all feels really good. But then we often get bogged down before we take that next step. Here at City Church, we're, I've been your life group's pastor for about four and a half years. And so we beat the drum, we've, we've sounded the call, we've seen people respond and jump into groups. But we've also, every year, there's been somebody that's come to me and they said, you know, I just, like, I just can't because, I, or I just, and to me, is, what I've recognized is there's really like three reasons that people say, you know, I just can't do it. The first reason I think people typically say, no, I, I can't do it, is that they really struggle to believe a group can be good. They really struggle to believe a group can be good. And maybe that's because of past experience. I think sometimes people have said, okay, Keith, yeah, yeah, I'll jump into a group. They jumped into a group and it was hard. And it wasn't that great. Um, and as a result, they're like, look, I'm, I'm not doing that again. Like, no, no thanks. Or maybe, um, how many of you guys uh, football fans? Anybody in the room? All right, so it's NFL preseason right now. And uh, your preseason doesn't count. The, the real season gets started in a few weeks. And, and that's when everybody's undefeated. Everybody has a chance, even the Browns, right? A chance. And so there's all this optimism, right? But, you know, we'll get to the end of the season and, you know, people start looking for the exits and they're like, well, I'm going to be on vacation in a little while because we're not making the playoffs. There's no hope of a Super Bowl. They, they become a part of that group, a part of that team with great optimism, and then they realize, you know, it doesn't always turn out great. And, and that's true. We all have an experience like that probably, a, a company we joined or, or a team we were on, and we thought, yeah, but then, no, nah, no, nah, not that great. So I understand how people arrive at this conclusion. Look, I'm not going to jump into a group because it's not going to be good. Like, it's just not. But I want to challenge you with Jesus. Because remember, your relationships should have the same mindset of Jesus. And think about all of the evidence Jesus was given before he put on flesh and jumped into this world about humanity. What reason did he have to believe things were going to go well? Like, we kept messing it up. We kept screwing it up. We kept falling. We kept stumbling. Yet, Jesus, filled with hope, born in a manger, raised to adulthood, started his ministry, and he picked 12 people, gathered them as a group, 
and changed the world. Jesus had lots of reasons to believe this wasn't gonna go well, yet he still was filled with hope and a hope that led him to action, action the world cannot forget and will never forget. So in this corner over here, I want you to write the word hope. Write the word hope. That's not the only reason people, I think, struggle to commit to a group. I think a lot of times people struggle to commit to a group because they're not convinced they really need one. Like things are pretty good. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I mean, I, I kind of got it together. I mean, things are going pretty well. I do have that preacher I listen to in Atlanta. Like, he's really good. I kind of pull him up, and he can encourages me. I, I have my personal Bible study time I spend together. You know, that, that, that's good enough. I'll tell you something my grandfather told me when I was digging post holes for him as a teenager. Um, in Amarillo, Texas, where there's about this much dirt, and the rest is just rock, just concrete, just bedrock. So I'm going after it one day, and he says, I need that post hole to be 30 inches deep. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Like, I'm the man. And so I get my arm, I was like, bang. So it was humbling. I keep going, keep going, and I get pretty deep. And I think, that looks pretty deep. I mean, it's dark down there. And so I, Paul said, hey, you, you think you're done? And I said, oh, I think so. And he says, is it... Is, is, it, is it good? And I said, I think it's good enough. And he came over and he said, son, good enough. Usually isn't. Took his measurement out, 21 inches. I was like, oh no. I thought, I mean, what's the big deal? Like, well, my granddad knew if a cow took a run at that fence, 30 inches would hold, 21 inches would not. And so I went back to work. I've held on to that, and my grandfather has since apologized to me. He's like, I didn't mean to, like, but what he said was true. And I share that story with you. I didn't even intend to this morning, but, but I share that with you to bring us back to this point. Sometimes we're convinced we're good enough, but good enough usually isn't. There's still the if, 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 then What? And I would submit that some of us who think we, we don't need a group might need a group more than anyone. Pride's a really dangerous thing. And it can keep us from real community and real life. And I would give you, I would, I would concede that maybe you do have a lot of things together. Maybe you are doing really well. But you know, if that's true, why not share the wealth you have? Why not share the good you have? Why not share the wisdom you have with a group of people who don't have it? See, if you know the encouragement, if you know the comfort, if you have the tenderness and the compassion from Jesus, then you ought to be living in your relationships with the mindset of Christ. And what did Jesus do? Well, he wasn't the prideful king that sat on his throne and told us we ought to figure it out. No. Philippians 2 testifies the fact that this king, this is a different kind of king, a different kind of kingdom. He put on flesh. He humbled himself, became like a man. He even submitted to death on a cross. So I want you to write the word humility. Write the word humility. Point one, hope. Point two, humility. 
One more reason I think people really struggle to jump into a life group or a group of any kind here at City Church. And as they say, they just don't have enough time. They just don't have enough time. And hey, so let me identify, like I get it. Um, maybe you've got five kids too and you just you start pulling out your hair and then you've like done that for a while and you got nothing else to, like you're trying, but you got, and it's busy and it's, it's overwhelming and it's, but let me, let me point to Jesus for a minute. Jesus chose to come and to live very differently. You'll note the beginning of his ministry, he was tempted three times to abandon the plan, to take an easier way, a faster way, but Jesus committed to the holy way. And I'd submit, like we all have calendars probably that we keep and it's got our schedule. Maybe, you know, some of the students in the room, like you have your, your student, your schedule, and then maybe you have, uh, you know, as, as adults, you have these meetings and you have Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and all that, they're full but I challenge you to take your calendar and compare it to somebody else down the hall from you that you work with. Is there a difference between your schedule as a Christ follower and the follower of just somebody who lives in your community or works at your workplace? I contend your calendar should be holy. It should be different. Sometimes we get it mixed up with it. We, holy doesn't mean perfect. Like, holy doesn't mean flawless. Holy means other. It means different. And if we look, if our calendars, if our schedules look just like the world, then what are we doing? And that's not holiness. But Paul, he, he brings the Philippians in. He says, if, 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 then live like Jesus. So would you write one more word? You've got hope, you've got humility. Now write holiness. So I want you to grab your triangle and kind of hold it up and look at it for a minute. You see those three words in those three corners. I want to ask you the question, what does it add up to? You look at it all, what does it all add up to? What's that? Life with Jesus. I like that. That's not even my answer, but I like that. Somebody else? Do we have any math people in here? What do three angles and a triangle add up to? 180. Somebody said it. 180. Okay, so I hear a lot of people complaining about the state of the world. I hear a lot of Christians complaining about the state of our community, our elected officials. Our, well, let me, let me challenge you with this. Look at what you got here, and I want to submit this is the key to 180. If you will be a person who doesn't just live in the if and revel in the if, and resisted them, but you decide if, then hope, then humility, then holiness. We can see things change, but it requires your commitment, not just to love who Jesus is, but to follow in his footsteps and live like him. And today's the day. Today we've got something we call a group fair, which means out there under that tent, we have about 25 different groups that are open to you. Groups you can choose to join, so you can grow together, so you can hear all the ifs, then walk out the door 
take a left and explore what it might look like to then grow together. I'm not asking you to be Jesus today, but I am asking you to to really think and consider who he is, who you're called to be. Make a change today. The song we're about to sing is a challenge to to just kind of think about that, to, to hear who God is and to say, quite honestly, okay, step by step, you'll lead me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you all of my days.